As you watch this teaching, please subscribe, like, and comment so more people can see. Welcome to Home Group. My name is Rick Renner, and I'm so glad you've joined us. And before I introduce the members of my home group here on the set, I want to tell you that if you have a prayer request, always remember you can write to us. We will pray for you and we will call you back. And I want to remind you also that right now you can go to the store on our website, runner.org, and order the study guide on the infilling of the Holy Spirit. We've been talking about the power of God. For you to walk in the weapons that God provides, you have to have power. That's why you need to know about the infilling of the Holy Spirit. I want you to order this. It's very simple. And look, it's not big. It's easy to use, but it is loaded. It will walk you right into the power of God. And while you're there at our store, why don't you just look at some of the other study guides that we have? I brought a few to show you. You guys look at these study guides. They're huge. They are huge and they are loaded. Some people would call those books. Paul, I write over 30 of these a year. Last year I wrote 46. It's amazing. That is, it's like writing 46 books a year. Every one of these are just filled with Greek and history and exposition and points and principles. This one's called The Will of God, The Key to Your Success. Or hey, how about this one? What the New Testament tells us about demons, how to recognize demonic activity, and how to exercise your God-given authority over demons. Demons are real. What does the Bible tell us about demons, by the way? They have been loosed at the end of the age, and they're producing delusion in society. Anyway, look at the study guides. I'm really a fan of our study guides. Okay, wait, wait, wait. But yeah. Some people ask, how do you prepare for your programs? And what my father does is first, he actually writes the study guides. Before he starts to film, he sits down and writes almost word for word everything he says during the programs that he films. And then his notes and the program later are produced and become study, study guides. guides for you. So you're actually getting more than just the program. You're getting his own personal preparation for the program. It's pretty cool. You know, Mom and I grew up as Baptists. And as Baptists, we had Sunday school... Quarterlies. Quarterlies. And we loved them. Well, no, I really didn't love them. That, that was just not true. We were supposed to love them. But we studied them. And we had little envelopes. And did you remember underneath the envelopes had boxes on them? Yes. And, and you marked if, if you, you read your quarterly. Read your lesson. If you read your lesson. Got to check. Yes, that's right. Well. I like that. When did you read your lesson? Um, you know, Rick, I wasn't a fan of reading at that time. <laughs> oh, my. I might not have read my lesson. <laughs> Sounds well, like confession time. I have to tell <laughs> you the truth. I read my lesson in the car on the way to church because I wanted to check the box. But what those quarterlies did is they put the entire Baptist denomination on the same page at the same time studying the same thing. It really unified their faith. And one thing I've noticed is charismatic churches have no quarterlies. They have no unifying thing they can use to study in their Sunday school or their home groups. Well, here it is. I'm telling you, this is perfect Sunday school material, home group material, Bible study material. This really is it. And it really ramps it up to a whole nother level. It is, it is amazing. When I look at these, I am amazed by them. 
Anyway, go to our website and look them up. And because we're talking about spiritual warfare and spiritual armor, I have to mention again. Dress to Kill. Dress to Kill. Denise, you want to say anything about this book? Well, I think it's very needed. I think anybody that's serious about walking in their armor, knowing that the power of God that's inside of them, I think that this they would benefit greatly from this book. Thank you. I, I just believe that book will help people. All right, I'm going to take a drink of coffee, and then we're going to jump into our message. By the way, while I drink my coffee, what do you think about that coffee cup? I love your coffee cup. Okay, Paul, what's on the front of my coffee cup? Uh, it's the double-headed eagle, which is a symbol of Russia. Russia. You have to say Russia. 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 Symbol of Russia. This is the symbol of Russia, the double-headed eagle, the emblem of the state, even from the Tsarist period, and now it's been restored. It once again is the emblem of the state of Russia. We even have it on our coffee cups. We love Russia, don't we? In fact, this studio, we, we're in Moscow. We are in Moscow. Amen. Pray for us. We're praying for you. Pray for us as we do the work of God right here. But open your Bibles. Okay. Are we still in Ephesians chapter 6? We are. And we have all this weaponry here because we're going to begin discussing the weapons that God has given to us. But we can't do it yet because there's one thing I forgot to cover. Now, we've been talking about this for Monday, Tuesday, uh, Wednesday. Today's Thursday. Thursday. I thought we'd get right into the helmet, right into the sword, right into the different types of swords, right into the shoes of peace, but we haven't gotten anywhere close to it yet. Paul, we're going to do that next week. Okay. But today, I want us to go back to Ephesians 6, verse 11, and today we're going to talk about five words of warfare. I'm going to give you something so simple to understand, it is revolutionary for you to understand spiritual warfare. And then I'm going to give you an illustration from my life. So let's look at it. Ephesians 6, verse 11, put on the whole armor of God. I've told you that's the word hoplion in Greek. It describes everything you see all around us. Seven pieces of weaponry. And the Apostle Paul says we're to put on the whole armor of God that ye may be able to stand against the what? Wiles. The wiles of the? Devil. Devil. If you want to understand spiritual warfare, there are five words that you need to understand. These five simple words will make the whole thing completely clear to you. Here they are. You ready? Wiles, devil, devices, stronghold, oppression. If you know those five words and how they interconnect, you will understand how the devil attacks in the majority of cases. So let's start with the word Wiles, number one, the wiles of the devil. And I told you when I was a kid, I thought that was something that would come creeping under the door at night, like something in a horror movie. What are the wiles of the devil? What's well, the Greek word? Methodias, compound of two words, the word meta, which means with, and the word hodas, which is the Greek word for a road. Now, newer translations translate this as the strategies of the devil or even the methods of the devil. That's okay. But that even misses the point. The word methodias, meta and hodas, means with a road. It describes the devil traveling on a road, which means the devil is not happenstance in what he's doing. Roads take you somewhere. You take roads that will lead you to your destination. 
And it means if the devil is methodios, if he's traveling on a road, he has an objective, he has a target, he knows exactly where he is going. The devil has intention. Where is the devil headed? What is this lane of attack? Where is it going? It's going to the mind. I told you in the last program that in the New Testament, the words war and warfare are used five times. All five times they're used in conjunction with the mind. This is the high place you need to be most concerned about. This is where the devil wants to dominate you because if he can dominate your mind, he'll take you down. But this leads us to word number two. Number one, the word wiles. The devil's operating on a road. He's headed somewhere. He has a destination. Number two, he is a devil. Once he comes to the mind, he doesn't just try to penetrate once. He is a devil. The word devil, the Greek word diabolos, is not just a proper name. Guys, it's a job description. It describes his activity. It's dia bolos, diabolos. The word dia carries the idea of total penetration. The word balos means to throw, to hurl. Sometimes it's even translated to slander. But when you put the two words together, dia and balos, it forms diabolos. That is the word devil, which is the very name of the devil in Spanish and many languages. It's the same word. Mm -hmm. It literally means one who repetitiously strikes and strikes and strikes and strikes and strikes, trying to wear down the membrane or the resistance of something until finally it becomes so weak that dia, he can penetrate that object. And the Apostle Paul tells us, the devil's headed on a road, the road is headed to the mind. And when the devil comes to the mind, he begins striking the mind. If he struck your mind just once, you could say, that's a crazy thought. So he doesn't just do it once. He strikes your mind again and again and again and again and again and again and again, bombarding your mind until you hear this thought speaking to you all the time. And the thought gets louder and louder and louder and louder and louder. And that's why you have to choose what voice you listen to. You're going to be dominated by whatever voice you listen to. God also wants your mind. If you listen to the voice of God, it will renew your mind. If you pay attention to what the devil is taking, diabolos, he will penetrate your mind. And if the devil penetrates your mind, then it leads you to word number three. So what was word number one? Wiles. The devil operates on a road. Strategy. Number two, he is a devil. When he finally gets where he's going, he begins striking and striking and striking and striking and striking, trying to penetrate that object, penetrate the mind. And if he finally gets into the head and penetrates, it leads us to number three. And number three is the word devices, which we find in 2 Corinthians 2 verse 11, where Paul says, we're not ignorant of Satan's devices. That word devices is a form of the word noose. The word noose describes the mind, the intellect, or the emotions. But in 2 Corinthians 2 verse 11, the word noose becomes the word noemata. It means the schemings of the mind, a confused mind, or I say it's like scrambled brains. You can't think any longer because something has penetrated your brain and it's affected your ability to think straight. 
The devil gets in. He begins to confuse you. You can no longer determine what is reality, what is a lie. You begin to be affected by an illusion. And by the way, the truth is the devil doesn't have any power. He's just an illusionist. Sounds like anxiety and stress. Well, that can be part of it. But the devil is an illusionist. He tries to convince you of something that's not true about you. And I'm going to give you an illustration from my life. Then if he scrambles your brains and you begin to believe the lie, the Bible tells us in 2 Corinthians chapter 10 that the devil begins to build in our heads a stronghold. That's word number four. So word number one, wiles. Word number two, devil. Word number three, devices. Word number four, stronghold. If the devil finds an entrance in your head, he begins to build a stronghold. You say, well, what is a stronghold? Well, strongholds are mental. They begin as spiritual, but they become mental. They become real fixtures in your brain. Now, that word stronghold, the old Greek word ukoroma, really pictured two things. People think of a stronghold, they think of castles. And that's true. So you kind of have to imagine a castle on top of your head. But there's something else. It was also the word for a well-defended place to keep prisoners on the inside. To keep prisoners on the inside. In one part of Moscow, in the oldest, oldest part of the city, it's called Kitai Gorod. Kitai means ancient. It's the ancient part of the city. And there's a wall there that is immense. It is simply immense. Well... That wall could keep intruders out, but if needed, it could keep the residents in. You could not get through that wall. It kept you in, and it kept others out. This is very important. When you have a mental stronghold, it becomes your prison. It becomes your prison. It limits you. A mental stronghold will tell you what you can do, what you cannot do, what your dreams cannot be, why your life cannot change. And in fact, even though you're totally normal and you have the same capabilities of everybody else, when you have a mental stronghold, it is like you're living behind bars, looking at through invisible imaginary bars at people that are free, thinking, I wish I could be like them. You are like them. You're just living in an illusion of bondage. That is really the truth. But a stronghold was also a castle which kept outsiders on the outside. And this is so very important because when a person has a stronghold, that stronghold that is illusionary, it enslaves them. And when people come with help, you know, often people can see you better than you can. And they come to you and they say, you know, what you're believing about yourself is just not true. Your situation can be better, but they can't seem to break through to you. Even though what they're saying is logical and helpful They can't break through to you because you're behind the walls of a stronghold. But let's go back to that illustration of a castle on top of your head. Well, first of all, who lives in castles? Kings. Kings Kings live in castles. So if there's a stronghold in your head, it means the devil has built in your head a place of residence. And like a tyrant, he has moved in. 
And from your mind, which is the high place you need to be concerned about, he's going to begin dictating to you like a tyrant what you're going to eat, what you're going to weigh, what you're going to do, what you're not going to do, why you do not have hope, why your life will never change. He will lord himself over you like a tyrant. And that leads us to word number five. All right, word number one, wiles. Word number two, devil. devil. Word number three, devices. Word number four, stronghold. Word number five, oppression, which we find in Acts chapter 10, verse 38, which says how God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Ghost and power who went about doing good and healing all who were oppressed, oppressed of the devil. That word oppressed means to be ruled over by a wicked tyrant. And that is the devil's objective. He wants to dominate you. He wants to oppress you. He wants to control you. He wants your head because he knows if he can get your head, then he has you. What you think determines what you have. What you think determines your emotions. If the devil can control your mind and your emotions, he will affect your self-image and how you project yourself to others. And what you believe becomes your reality because that's the way the faith works. If you believe the Word of God, it will become your reality. If you believe the lie the devil is telling you, your faith will empower the lie. And the lie really will become your reality. Now, my friends, what I just gave you is worth a lot. That is powerful what I just gave you. Any comments? It's amazing how simple you made it. Uh, because sometimes we make our problems. We, 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 we like to overcomplicate our problems. Yes, people do. If it's difficult, if it's complicated, then we can't do anything about it. And if we can't do anything about it, then, well, that's just the way it's life is. Nothing will change. I'm powerless to change it. If we complicate our problems, then we need help, and we can't pay for help, and they couldn't help us, and it's not my fault anyway. But if you simplify it, if you break it down, just like you said, mm -hmm. then you can actually rely on the power of God, make the right decisions, protect your mind, understand that the devil has methods that he's going to use to attack your brain. It becomes simple. You break it down into smaller steps, and all of a sudden, solutions begin to, you come up with solutions. You can foil it at any step along the way if you know what is the process. Mm -hmm. You can say, well, I know what that is. That's the devil. He's coming to my head. Whoop, that's the devil. He's banging on my brain. I can stop that right now. Whoop. My brain's getting scrambled up. I'm not thinking right. You can stop it right there. Or if you find that you're getting heavy, there are heavy thoughts that are weighing you down, that means a stronghold is being built in your life. And last of all, if you're oppressed, you need to take authority over it. This information is helpful. Now, I know I'm talking a lot, but I want to give you my personal testimony. Okay, we grew up in our wonderful church. And in our church, all the guys played sports. I mean, they were just awesome at sports, but not me. They all loved balls. I hated every kind of ball that existed. Ugh. Basketball, bowling, football, so many balls, softball. Just like our whole life revolved around balls, I couldn't even catch a ball, let alone throw a ball. I just wasn't gifted in that way. And I just felt like I was less than the other guys. And when I was a young boy, it began to affect my self-image. And I remember thinking, Rick, you are so inferior. 
I mean, I really struggled with feelings of being inferior. Struggled with it all the time. And because I was young, I didn't know how to express that. I didn't even know what my feelings meant. I just knew that I felt like I was less and I was inferior to everybody else. Well, then we went to school and in the seventh grade, I got sick. And because I was sick, I got mononucleosis and I missed months of school because I had it so bad. And in the months that I was gone, math really began to advance and so did English. Well, when I got well and I came back to school, I had missed all of that. All those steps that everybody else understood, I didn't even know what they were talking about. It was like Chinese to me. And I began to fail in math, and I really struggled in English. And every day I would think, Rick, you're just so stupid. You're so inferior. What is wrong with you? Why can't you understand this? And unfortunately, I had no mentor. I had no tutor to sit by me and help me. I was just trying to struggle through it and learn, and I never got it. I wasn't stupid, but I really felt stupid, and I felt inferior compared to all those other kids, and the devil was working on my brain. He had started working on my brain when I was younger, when I felt inferior to the other guys because I wasn't good at sports. The devil trying to pound my brain, pound my brain. I believe the devil knew that God wanted to use my brain. I believe the devil knew that. Pounding my brain, you're less, you're inferior, you're not as good as others. Pounding my brain, pounding my brain. Now I'm in school and I make an F in math, but the teacher liked me. So she gave me a D minus so I could go to the next class. That was very merciful. But if I didn't get math in the seventh grade, how was I ever going to understand it in the eighth grade? And the day I walked into math in the eighth grade, I can remember that voice speaking to me, stupid, you're going to fail. Right from the beginning, you're going to fail. You're going to fail. You're going to fail. And I began to believe that about myself. I began to believe that I was inferior. This was a bigger struggle in me than anybody knew. Be very sensitive to your kids. They may be going through struggles that you really are unaware of. They may not know how to express it, but you need to be spiritually sensitive to your kids or to your grandkids. Then we got out of eighth grade, and guess what? In eighth grade, I made, a, I made another F. But once again, I had a merciful teacher who gave me a D minus. So I went into the ninth grade didn't understand math in seventh grade. Didn't understand math in eighth grade. Now I'm going into the ninth grade. And the ninth grade is not just math. It is, Denise? Algebra. Algebra. I was terrified going to algebra. How am I going to understand algebra? And I can remember looking in the mirror every morning, brushing my teeth in my parents' house, looking at myself, hearing these thoughts, you're so stupid. You are so stupid. And sometimes I would repeat it, looking at myself in the mirror. You're just so stupid. What is wrong with you? Why are you so stupid? Well, when I came into algebra, my teacher was old. But she didn't act old. She was full of life and whoa, she was full of fire. And everybody was terrified of her. And she had been teaching so long in that school in the same classroom that in that same classroom she had taught my father algebra. And she didn't like my dad because my dad, I guess, was kind of a hoodlum at one point and he lit up a pipe and smoked a pipe in her class and she never forgot that. 
So the first day that I'm in class, she's calling the roll. And guys, she's just calling everybody's name. And she comes to my name and she says, Ricky Renner. I said, here. And she put her glasses down like this. She looked at me and she, she always wear real high stilettos, Denise. And she strutted out from behind her desk, almost like a peacock with her glasses down. She looked at me. She said, Ricky Renner, is your father Ronald Renner? I said, yes, ma'am. That's my father. She took her glasses off, <laughs> just like that. If you were a student in that class with me, you can see her doing it. She took her glasses off. She said, stupid, stupid, stupid. Any child of Ronald Renner is stupid. And in this class, your name is Stupid Renner. I didn't do anything but come to class. And suddenly I have a teacher literally lamblasting me, calling me stupid. And that became my name in her class. And every day when she called the role, she called everybody else by their name. Jim such and such, Sally such and such, John such and such, stupid Renner. And I was expected to say, here. Here? <laughs> if I raised my hand to ask a question, she'd say, yes, stupid. And of course, ninth graders thought that was funny. So guess what my nickname became in the ninth grade? Stupid. I'd walk down the hallway. People would say, hey, stupid, how are you? Hey, stupid, how are you? Hey, stupid, how are you? It was like the devil had been attacking me privately. Now he was bringing reinforcements, trying to pave a road into my brain, pounding my mind, stupid, 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 tried to get me to believe it so he could scramble my brains, build a stronghold in my head, and oppress me. At the same time, in the ninth grade, they begin to give job placement tests to all the ninth graders to help them plan their future education. So I took the test, and the two counselors called me in. It was in the cafeteria. I came in. I sat at the table. I was very nervous because I felt like I was so stupid. And those two professional counselors said, this is almost verbatim. Ricky, we don't want to hurt your feelings that we have looked at your scores and we never advise you to go to the university or to attempt any kind of higher education. After examining your scores, we think that you need to really think about your future like being a road constructor or perhaps digging ditches or doing something manual with your hands because mentally you just don't have what's required for any kind of higher education. I felt like the world fell out from under me that day. For years, I'd privately been dealing with feelings of stupidity and feeling inferior. Now I had a teacher who called me stupid every day. Now I had a whole class of students calling me stupid. And now I had two professionals telling me I was intellectually inferior and I needed to dig ditches for the rest of my life. You know, when I was young, I had dreams of being an architect. Denise can tell you. I designed houses. I wanted to be an archaeologist. I wanted to be a kid. I had such dreams. And I truly believe the devil knew God's call was on my life. And he was out after me. And you know what saved me? The baptism in the Holy Spirit. The baptism in the Holy Spirit set me free. 
If you're under assault and you've never had the baptism of the Holy Spirit, the power of God will absolutely liberate you. But I understand when people are under assault because I went through it. And one reason why I can teach on this subject is because I really understand these five steps. Number one, the devil operates with a while. He operates on a road. He's headed to your head. Number two, he's a devil. He's going to pound your brain and pound your brain trying to penetrate. Number three, his objective is to scramble your brains and get you to believe a lie. And if he can get you to believe a lie, number four, he'll build a stronghold in your head. And number five, from that place, he will oppress your life, steal your joy, steal your dreams. But that does not have to be you. The power of God will liberate you. And something else, if you'll make the decision to stop listening to the lie and start listening to the truth, because the voice you hear is what's going to become your reality. You have to choose what you hear. If you listen to the devil and believe him, it will become reality. If you listen to what God says about you, God says you have the mind of Christ. God says you're the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. God says you are the healed of the Lord. God says you have power. God says all these marvelous things about you. You have to choose which voice you're going to hear. But the one you listen to and listen to and listen to and listen to and listen to, that's the voice that's going to dominate. That's the voice you're going to believe. So you have to choose which voice you're going to hear. Any comments, guys? Well, I just want to say, you mentioned that the devil built a stronghold, that he builds a castle. And when you said, <clears throat> when you said castle, and Rick, of course, I've had strongholds in my own life. And we all have. Yeah, I mean, my dad told me I walk like a cow. I had my classmates in high school stand around and sing a song about me and make fun of me. So definitely I had things to pull down. And, and God has set me free. But when Rick was talking and he did like this and put his hands up like that for the castle, I thought, there's another king. Amen. He's higher than any stronghold. Amen. He's higher than any tyrant that has lorded himself over our brain. King Jesus, the Lord of all, the maker of the universe, our Savior, our Lord. He is greater than any stronghold that the devil has tried to build on your head or my head or anybody else's head. And Jesus said, if you know the truth, the truth will set you free. It will. And this is the truth, my friend, that Jesus, he took every stronghold. He took every damnable thought that's ever come into your mind on the cross and he punished it in hell. He took it. He uh, destroyed the authority of it. And because of him, because of his blood, because of the Holy Spirit inside of you, inside of me, that devil that tries to build strongholds in our mind, in our head, maybe daily, maybe a long time ago, he has no authority because of Jesus. Amen. Paul? Amen. It's wonderful. This is actually giving you freedom. And it now explains where the warfare is taking place. Mm -hmm. When we talk about spiritual warfare, sometimes it, it think, we begin to think that we're talking about doing spiritual warfare somewhere else. We're talking about our right, almost right here. It's pretty close. Mm -hmm. And we're talking about gaining freedom right here so that we can function normally and function in the freedom that God has given us. It's Amen. wonderful. Hey, guys, we're out of time. This has been good. 
Father, in Jesus' name, Amen. we speak freedom. Right now. Freedom, freedom, freedom to you in Jesus' Amen. name. Amen. And I Jesus. urge you to quit listening to those lies. Open your ears to the truth. Amen. Jesus said the truth will set you free. You got to hear the truth. And if you'll hear the truth, King Jesus will rule your brain, your mind, and your emotions. And that will change everything. Amen. Amen. If you enjoyed that teaching, please subscribe, like, and comment so more people can see it.